Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, where we try to mash together, you know, Vegas line spreads. We try to mash together DFS plays, fantasy season long plays. We just try to put it all together in one nice, neat little show with my main man, uh, John Frisella at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. How you doing today, John? What's up, my man, Wes? I was telling you off the air. You know, I worked seven days in a row. I worked last Sunday. I had to go in very early today, grinding it at the office. Then the missus says, oh, we got to start looking for furniture for the new house. I'm like, "Are you? I got to work seven days in a row, and then I got to do that. So I got to tell you, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk football because I need a break from taxes because that's what we do at the firm, and I need a break from furniture. So let's talk about some football. Oh, we'll definitely talk about football. There's no doubt about that. But did you get it? How, how do you? How does John Frisella go furniture shopping? Are you? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just curious because you are a very opinionated man. That's one of the things that uh, attracted to me me to you on Twitter was I was like, oh, look, he's got opinions. I got opinions too. Uh, and you're very, very. Uh, well, how can I say this nicely, John? I, you know, I'm not trying. Yeah, you, you, you are opinionated and you are persuasive. Okay, so. <laughs> Do you stick your hands in your pockets and just walk around the, the, the shop going, yes, dear, that looks great, dear. Yes, dear. Because I, I would imagine that your wife knows better than to ask you about your opinion about something because she's going to get this long list and this tangent about why mauve sofas don't hold up during the long-term uh, effects of a household, you know, it, it's, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you got a pretty good beat on it. Well, first of all, you know, my wife has a good sense for the design. Right. That's not really my thing. Like I, today, also, my father-in-law was with us. I was kind of getting a good idea of the space, the spacing and the size. I was able to tell them this is what we need, this and that. We had the measuring tape. We did some men's stuff. So, you know, that that part I was good at. But once it gets to the design, it's exactly what you said. Yes, dear. Yep. That looks good. No, that's that's no problem. But my only things that matter to me is when I sit down on the couch, am I going to complain that I'm not comfortable enough? As long as I'm comfortable enough and you got the color you want. It's good. Same thing with the bed, looking at bedding. When I lay down, if I'm not sinking all the way in, I don't want to fall into the middle of it. Other than that, you know, if it looks good and it's what you like, I'm all good. I'm, I'm pretty easy when it comes to that stuff. I got one of those. We ended up with one of those air beds. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like uh, not the in- completely inflatable ones or anything that you sit on, but these are the sleep comfort, maybe it's called. And okay. where she could do her side, whatever whatever height and hardness that she wants, and I could do my side that way. And I like to sink into my bed. I like it to kind of cradle me, you know, like just to, just to kind of hold me. And we, we ended up falling for the, like the Tempur-Pedic. Is it called Tempur-Pedic? Yeah, where Tempur-Pedic, yep. Yeah, the complete foam one. We fell for that one time. It, it got delivered to the house. We got that one because, you know, it's it's one of those things that you, you sleep a lot, so you want to be able to have a comfortable bed. And we unpackage it and we put it on the thing. And I'm like you. I'm probably like every man where, you know, you just want to try out the bed a little bit. And like I've told you before, I don't look at the inside the swimming pool to see if there's water in it. So I come I come running across the 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 room and i jump up i go flopping backwards backwards on this tempurpedic we got it sometime in november or december so when it was got when it when it came to our house it was pretty cold outside mm-hmm. i didn't read the instructions the instructions tell you to allow the bed to sit at room temperature for quite some time i don't know how long the time was right. to, for quite some time to allow it to soften up because this thing was as hard as a brick, John. And, and when I flopped down backwards on it, I'm telling you, I got a concussion. I got a concussion from it. 
so I, I yes, it is important. Don't do that with a Tempur-Pedic bed. See, I'm, I'm there. I'm here to help everybody not make the same mistakes in life that I have made. I could tell there's lasting effects. You know, <laughs> if you look, the mental the mental issues that remain from that that terrible fall. I oh. you know I had a funny I had a funny image of it as you were telling the story. I pictured it right away, kind of like the comedy movies where somebody's running full speed, they jump off something, and then they bounce off. I figured yours. You just ran. You you banged into it hard. You went boom straight into the ground. And that was it. You were out and you woke up. It was Tuesday. I've, I've been concussed many times. We'll get into those stories. At some point, John, we will continue to unravel these stories about all my concussions, all of my car accidents. Just There's tons of things, John, tons of things. But first, I got to ask you, because I was trolling you on Twitter this past week. I saw you were on the, the Bison Buffalo channel again, or what was that called? Yeah, yeah, with the, with the guys at Bison's, Jeff Colhane yeah. and Andy Rykoff. You know, it's good for me because it's 15 minutes. So I <laughs> when I go out over there, so it's great. So I, I literally this week when I did it was on a call at the office until one twenty nine, and the and I had to be on the radio at one thirty, and I was like, how am I gonna do this? I'm on the call at one twenty nine. So I told my boss, I'm like, I got at one thirty, I gotta go. So I I jumped on the radio with them for fifteen minutes, and the call was still going on when I got back, and I got back on the the work call. <laughs> I've seen you juggle a lot of things like that, and, and something I was shocked about though, I saw this picture of mm-hmm. you surrounded by these athletes. I'm not saying you weren't an athlete because you looked very fiery. You looked very uh, uh, like you would be out there and you would be causing some issues on the basketball court. But these <laughs> basketball players that were surrounding you were huge. And, and I don't, it was like watching the Sesame Street thing where eight of these people are doing the same thing. One of these people are just not the same, you know, and that's what it looked like. What what were you surrounded by? And I think somebody tweeted this back at you. Somebody, some football player, some famous football player. Yeah, so I I actually have some street cred now, right? Because listen, any Joe Schmo could go get a, a podcast mic and jump on with Wes Easley and pretend like he knows about sports. But I got street cred now because not only was I not the one to tweet it, it was Darius Butler, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts and the world champion New England Patriots starting cornerback. Very high draft pick, early second round pick, who tweeted it, remembered that I was a teammate of his at UConn playing basketball and shouted me out on Twitter. So that's street cred right there. That's a that's an NFL player. We're on an NFL show right here saying, hey, I remember Johnny Fro. He was quite an athlete. And also Danny Lansana, who shout out to our guy, Jared Barry, right? He's a big Bucks fan. Danny Lansana was one of the key linebackers who played when the Bucks had their best trio. Right, they had the trio with Levante David, who's still there. They had Quan Alexander in his prime years, and Danny Lansana was the third linebacker. He's also on that team, and he also shouted out. So I, I'm not just some little guy out here from nowhere that's never played sports and making up stuff. I played with the I played with the pros. We were teammates for three years. But but you were playing basketball, not football. Yeah, that's right. but they they're professional football players. I mean, it, I got to tell you, Wes, playing with those guys, I played with those two guys as my teammates. We also would play pickup together every Saturday. I also played with Tyvon Branch. You probably heard that name. He played for the Chiefs and the Raiders at safety. I played with Donald Thomas, who played for the Colts and was an offensive lineman and was an absolute truck. I played with Larry Taylor, who was a kick returner for the Jets, who was the fastest man alive. So playing with those guys, you realize what it's really like. Because we always played at a high level here. We played all-county level here in New York and all that stuff. But these guys are double the speed. Like if I, if oh, yeah. I didn't play back then – three, four nights a week, they would have been running one way and I would have been running the other way. That's how much faster they are. So you got to be in tip-top shape to even play on the same court as these guys. 
Uh, yeah, and they're totally different kinds of athletes than we are. We might be good athletes compared to, uh, like you said, Joe Schmo right there next to us up and down the road. But these guys, uh, when you see a professional athlete, you know a professional athlete, right? They're just light years above all of us physically, and it's amazing how they can do that and not lose it overnight. Like I told you before, it feels like if you don't use it, you lose it. These guys kind of keep it all for a lot longer than we ever have ever had it, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's actually a great point what you said because when I met Darius Butler, I remember, right, he's only a couple inches taller than me, right? If you go and look online, they're going to tell you he's 6'1", 6'2", whatever. I'm 5'8". He's about 5'10". He does have very long arms. The first time I saw him play at the gym, and this is kind of how we all got together on a team, he was standing flat-footed in front of a 10-foot rim, a 5'10 guy, flat base jumping off the ground and dunking a basketball. Amazing. No running start. I'm like, this is impossible. I'm looking at it going, how is this possible? It, did they shrink the hoop? Is it an eight-foot hoop? And I went out on the court, and it was a 10-foot hoop. So this is a guy, and you can look up online. Look up Darius Butler dunking. There's actually, from the championship game that we won at UConn, somebody said, hey, Darius, show us some dunks after the game. And they took a video and put it on YouTube. So you could see him from the year we graduated, which was 2008, doing like dunks after the game at Gamble Pavilion, which is where the UConn basketball team plays. I mean, the guy's you know, an inch or two taller than me. And he's doing unbelievable things. So. No, it really is. I played pickup uh, plenty of times as well. And somebody who went on to become a center at the University of Alabama from here in the local area. I, I, I was playing against them and it was kind of a pickup game and, and down at a gym, you know, and everything. And so everybody's hooping and hollering kind of a stuff. And I was out mm -hmm. there on the floor and, and I shot one from the baseline, right? And I thought I was wide open. I, I was a pretty good basketball player, you know, nothing compared to the professionals or anything. Mm -hmm. And this center that started at the University of Alabama came flying from out of nowhere <laughs> and just swatted the ball, slammed up against the wall, boom, big loud boom in the in the in the uh, court, and everybody was like, oh, you know, and they started laughing at me and everything like that because she went on to play <laughs> for the University of Alabama girls team. <laughs> Well said, my friend. Nice punchline. I mean, well, I'm sure I'm sure she's to this day is probably still two times better than you, at least. <laughs> yes, she is. Uh, but you know, had a fantastic career at Alabama, so I have been blocked by better. I think I don't know. Uh, but I learned my lesson early. I learned my lesson early. So I played high school here, yeah. right in Oceanside, up to a certain level, and I played on the travel teams and I played in the the competitive leagues, and it was very good basketball. Everybody's fundamentally sound. A lot of good shooters in this area where I'm from. Um, but when I went to UConn, the pickup games included everybody. So you would even have times like I saw Rudy Gay, you know, Rudy Gay from the NBA playing pickup. I played with Marcus Williams, who was a first round draft pick in the NBA. It was a lefty point guard for UConn. So it was a free for all. You could play with guys that were all over the country, top players. So I learned my lesson early on was when you think you're wide open, it's like your story. You better pump fake that thing one time. Because if you don't pump fake that thing one okay. time, they're about to block it into the wall. The first time I played, I think they blocked me into the wall like three or four times. And I was like, okay, I got to learn how to pump. And then you put it down once and you you take it on the next shot. Hey, we got to get you on the NBA Runaround podcast that Boone Gage and I are going to start up here uh, real close in December. Some, sometime, I think our first show is going to be December 1st or something like that will be where we release it. And that way everything can kind of round up in the NBA free agency and all that. I know you have a vetting interest in that. So before the NBA season starts, we'll get you on that one, John. And I want to make sure everybody remembers to follow John. 
Frisella at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at Loafinit, and hop over to the show at FI Today with a little underscore and follow the show there. And John, I don't know if you saw my pinned tweet. It's been kind of popping up, up, up and down all over Twitter this last couple of days, and you can find it over on their pinned tweet as well, at Mugs Fly Together. We've joined with them to give away a couple of mugs throughout this next season uh, until about Christmas time or so. We're going to give away some mugs from them. And and what all you got to do is you got to retweet the tweet, right? You got to follow me, you. You got to follow Mugs Fly Together. Then you have to tell us which mug you like best. You can also tell us which, which uh, fantasy football team or which football team is your favorite football team. And if you don't happen to win, what you could do for the person that is special to you in your life or maybe some coworkers or anything like that, all you got to do is type in FIT10 at Mugs Fly Together and you can get a discount, a 10% discount, and that will also help support the show. So people can get a little something for helping support the show and, and also donate some things to uh, coworkers. I think that's a good thing, a good deal. Wonderful. That's great. I mean, especially at the holiday season. Um, and we really appreciate everybody who's been listening uh, throughout the season. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is a way for us to give back. And uh, by the way, you know, send me a Venmo request or something. Let me throw you some money towards that. So let's make sure we're partners on this. I don't want you to be reaching into West Pocket too deep. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean exactly. But uh, they're taking care of me over there at Mugs Fly Together. Let's make sure we take care of them as well. All right, John, we do have football to talk about. And I, we, we got to backtrack just a little bit, right? Rewind mm-hmm. just a little bit to Thursday mm-hmm. night where Kyler Murray, my guy, got a little bit banged up uh, on Thursday night and had a little trouble passing the ball, I believe, over to over to Hopkins throughout the game. But we saw the Seattle Seahawks defend their home turf and get back on the winning side of things and kind of told Arizona that, nope, it's not your your season yet, young bloods. Yeah, that's exactly what they said. You know, it was an interesting game for a lot. And I'm glad we're just backing up a little bit here. Number one, obviously, like you said, it's important in the landscape of the league because you're talking about a legit battle for MVP there between those two guys, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, probably those four with Josh Allen sitting right on the outside. So it was a big game for the MVP vote. Uh, Russell Wilson stepped ahead there, right? We'll give Kyler credit because he played through the injury. That was a hard shot that he took. Very similar to another Thursday game when Sam Darnold was on with our Jets against the Broncos, he got driven hard and he left the game and came back. So so good job by Kyler to come in there and show some toughness, but he did get outplayed. His team got outplayed. And two things, the first half of that game, and I tweeted about this, was very sleepy, right? I, like I was expecting, I'm like, this is a big platform for these two teams, right? Seattle's trying to show that we've been to the playoffs a bunch of years in a row since we won the Super Bowl, but we haven't gotten over the hump. This might be a team that's different. Now that we have these weapons, now that we have Metcalf and Lockett and Russell's playing at an MVP level, I really thought they would come out hot. They didn't really come out too hot. They were a little bit sleepy. And I thought Arizona was going to say, hey, this is our time to shine. We're here now. We're not going anywhere. We're going to make our stamp. And they didn't either. So it was, it was weird. I mean, did you get that vibe? The first half of the game, I felt like they were asleep. Yeah, it, it looked a little bit flat, but I think what ends up happening in that game anyway, like you said, Kyler did take a little shot, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, and I don't think it is, I think Kyler has the ability to throw the ball a little bit better than some of the other running quarterbacks. I'd like to classify him as a running quarterback, mm-hmm. um, but but they were taking that away from him, and he just didn't, didn't run as much. I don't want to call it scrambling. He just didn't run as much that first half, which kind of took him out of their element. Yeah, they, he wasn't running because of the shoulder thing. You're absolutely right. Like, I, I could tell right away after it happened, basically they made a group decision. He's going to play this game, but every time you get out of the pocket, you're going to slide. 
You saw I, I never saw him slide that much. I, I've been watching him all year because on my my primary team, my home league, I've won eight in a row thanks to Kyler Murray being my yeah. quarterback. That's the main reason. So you know I've been watching his games, but this game he slid about six times during the year. I maybe saw him slide three times the whole season. So for sure that had something to do with it. And the other thing I want to say about this game, which is huge, right? Because we talk a lot of offense because we have to because we're not doing IDP, we're not doing individual defensive players here. Mm-hmm. So I want to mention defense. Carlos Dunlap turns that whole Seattle defense around by himself. Comes over from the Bengals, right? Team that's out of contention, doesn't have a lot to play for other than the fact that they have Burrow and they're building for the future. Comes over to Seattle, a defense that was probably dead last or second to last, and gets the key sack to end the game, gets a huge sack earlier on, and he had a couple other pressures where they could have definitely given him a half a sack, maybe another one. Um, Talk about one guy coming and turning the team around. So – I have to make an amendment, right? There was a few weeks ago where I said, I give Seattle no shot. That was on the current roster. I do have to improve their chances because Dunlap is no joke. This isn't just some guy they added. This is a Pro Bowl defensive player that they added who's now putting pressure on the quarterback. So I don't have them as a top, top uh, Super Bowl contender, but I'm at least putting them on the list now. Three weeks ago, I didn't have defense was too weak. Yeah, oh, no, you're absolutely right, and I think their their defensive schedule really lightens up here the second half of the season, so we may see the Seattle Seahawks, I don't want to say return to form, what mm-hmm. I have in my brain, because, of course, you know, we I think about years ago, whenever they were just such a, a, a ball-hawking defense and just really, really dominating the league, I don't think they're going to quite return to that level, but they will get better, I think, the second half of the season. John, what that ended up doing was that put the Seattle Seahawks on top of the NFC West at Seven and three, and that dropped the mm-hmm. Cardinals down to six and four in that mm-hmm. NFC West. The 49ers are down at the bottom at four and six, and the Rams are in second place at six and three. I kind of want to cover these a little bit because uh, the standings are getting real interesting. We're approaching the playoff time, and that will have our fantasy implications down the road just a little bit as we watch teams try and maybe look for a better draft choice along the way. Look at this. The Saints and Buccaneers are are on top of that NFC South. The Saints have seven are, are at seven and two, and the Bucks are at seven and three. Falcons and Panthers both have three wins apiece. In the NFC North, the Packers are sitting at seven and two. My Bears are at five and five, but it just doesn't feel like that. The Vikings coming on strong at four and five, and the Lions are at four and five as well. I think the Bears and the Lions are going to end up dropping to the bottom of that barrel. Yeah, I, I just can't see how Chicago's going to hang on because it's getting worse and worse right? Mm. They've actually lost, they were five and one. So they've actually lost four in a row. Um, I mean, they can't move the ball. Their defense has been good enough, right? You can get by with the way the defense is played, which is why probably why they have five wins and a couple of timely plays here and there. But I mean, you know, Mitch is hurt anyway. Now Foles is an old man. It's not working with Nagy. I got to think the bears are going to go to the bottom. Um, As far as the the South goes, we got to give Sean Payton coach of the year through nine games, right? with what they did without Michael Thomas, and now they don't have Breeze, and they're 7-2, and two, and what they did to Tampa Bay, right? They destroyed Tampa Bay in that game. When That's what I mean about making a statement, right? Seattle didn't make that same statement, but at least they got the win against Arizona. Mm-hmm. But when the Saints took it to the Bucks, they said, not only are we better than them in our division, we're the best team in the NFC. So you agree? You have Sean Payton winning it? Who do you have for uh, Coach of the Year? Uh, Coach of the Year, I, he's he's right up there with the top. I don't I don't know, you know. The New York Giant head coach has done a wonderful job at keeping them in second place after the loss of Saquon Barkley. 
<laughs> you always find a way to go back to the Giants. Like they're gonna, you know what? You're gonna have a chance though at your Super Bowl bet because you I can know. definitely argue that the Giants are best, the best team in that division, which is well, all you need to get in. You could actually argue that they're the best team in the division. I'm not. Hey, you're, I'm not. I'm, I, I have a chance. No, you have a chance to rescind your laughing at me about the New York Giants. And there was that other. Hey, I can't remember who it was. He's a good friend. I can't remember which one it was, though. They remember when I put out that the Giants might win nine games. And he's like, are you crazy? You're stupid. You're dumb. You're insane. And, and I was like, yeah, well, that's true. I'm not arguing that point. But anyway, uh, on the NFC East side of things, the Eagles are sitting there on top at 3-5 and 1. The Giants are at 3-7. and seven. The Reds, the Washington football team, 2-7. and seven, And the Cowboys at 2-7, and seven, John. It, it is up for grabs in that division. Nobody's making the wild card out of there, probably, because there's just a lot of better teams down there. And like I said, the Vikings are coming on pretty strong as well. But mm-hmm. one of these teams has to win this division. And I don't know that it's the Eagles right now. I'm going to put my money on the Giants just because they deserve it for their effort. You know, you know how I feel about effort. Oh, yeah. uh, it's, you know, it, maybe it's, you know, guys like us, we're, we're disadvantaged in size and sports and you only get to a certain point by your effort and by your skill. That's all you can do is those two things really. Um, and your brain, that's, that's how you even the field out. So I feel like, like you said, they're definitely playing hard for Joe judge. Every game they have win or lose comes down to the last five minutes, the last three minutes of the game. That's the way it's been for the giants. So they're what they are is they're competitive in all three facets. They're not plus or minus in any particular area, which is a good thing because that that's going to keep them in the games. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with the giants only because the Eagles, I think getting all these guys back has made things jumbled for them. Right. They started to get rolling. We were talking about last week. They started to get rolling. Then they brought Miles Sanders back, who's a, a very good player. Then they brought back Jeffrey. Right. And they, at one point, Jackson came back and then went out and they they brought back Rieger and Goddard. That's a lot of moving parts. It got very sloppy. You could see it last week against the Giants. Carson Wentz would drop back to pass in the previous weeks. He was going to Fulgham. Right. Fulgham and Boston Scott were his two guys. Now he's dropping back. There's six guys. He looks right. He goes, eh, I'm not sure. He looks left. A lot of hesitating. So so getting all these guys back made them a little bit overwhelmed. They may need a couple of weeks to get that together. So I'm going to go with the Giants right now as the favorite in that division. I, I stood up and took a bow just now. Uh, and don't forget, they got Ertz somewhere. He's coming. He's coming back. He's real close right. to coming back. I don't know if they want him back or not, but he's real close to coming back. But that you're right. There's a lot of mouths to feed there. But maybe right. all that talent can come together at some point over in the AFC West. Chiefs are at eight and one. Raiders six and three. Broncos and Chargers are at the bottom of that pack. Broncos are at three and six, and Chargers are at two and seven. AFC South: Colts, Titans, sitting at top on top of there, six and three. Texans two and seven. Jags one and eight. Steelers only undefeated team in the NFL nine and zero. Ravens six and three. Browns six and three. And Bengals at two and six. And in your AFC East, the Bills at seven and three. I really thought they were better than that. I thought their record would have been better than that when I looked at it at first. Mm-hmm. Dolphins at six and three. Patriots at four and five, but coming on strong. And your New York Jets, the only winless team at zero and nine. Yeah, well, at least for the Jets now, as you noticed, I've been a lot calmer and not screaming as much because at least at this point, there's a very obvious plan. Every single decent player that we have has been benched for a quote unquote injury, right? It doesn't matter. They stubbed the toe. They were cutting their fingernails. They got hurt. You know, they sneezed. They they don't even have COVID. They sneeze once they go on the list. So at least now I understand they've realized the situation, which is Jacksonville only has one win. So if you really want to get Trevor Lawrence and you're going to get a brand new head coach, right? Starting next year, I like the plan, 
By the way, I also feel better because Mims actually came back and started playing, and he looks good. And now mm-hmm. starting this week, P. Ryan is going to start another rookie, and some of the other like Beckton, the offensive lineman, they're starting to actually show a plan here, and that some of their young players can contribute. So I'm I'm actually okay. I hope the Jets go 0 and 16 because there's no point in winning two games and not getting the first pick. So I'm finally okay with the Jets at 0 and 9. Hopefully that'll be 0 and 16. And to answer your point about the Bills. The reason why you thought they'd have more wins is because they had that win almost in the bag against the Cardinals this past week. Mm. Remember? They had the, the two chances. They were up 15 points. It was like 24 to 9. I'm making up a number. So mm. they looked pretty comfortable, and they were playing good ball. And then they scored the touchdown with 30 seconds left to go ahead. So it seems like they won that game, but, of course, there was the miracle play. So, really, the Bills feel like they might be 8-2, and two, but they're not. They're 7-3. and three. Now, for you, looking at it, being a Jets fan, mm-hmm. Are you are you watching Trevor Lawrence now? Are you watching what is it, Josh Fields for Ohio State? Are you looking at those guys and saying we got to get a quarterback, or would you rather them look somewhere else and try and concentrate on building up Darnold? For me, at this point, I think it's pretty clear who Darnold is. Right there, there's always going to be people. This debate's never going to end because he's not going to be on the Jets next year. Some other team is going to say he's got enough talent for us to give him a chance because there's 32 teams, and yeah. I would say he's probably somewhere between 25 and 32 in terms of quarterbacks in the league. So someone else is going to make him a starter or worst case scenario, he's going to compete for a spot. So the debate is always going to continue here in New York. Was Darnold the problem or was it Gaze or was it the front office or was it the draft or was it they didn't give him enough weapons or the offensive line wasn't good enough? You got to see, Wes, you got to see the text messages and the ongoing conversations I get and the phone calls. Even my client at the office writes a law firm. It comes up. Everybody it talks about the same thing. Is, is Daniel Jones the answer for the Giants going forward? And whose fault is it that Darnold isn't good? Those are the things that people talk about here in New York. So the, for me, I feel like they got to move on. It's clear that he's average. It's not. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's good. I don't think he can win close games. So for me, they got to go with Lawrence. And is it conservative? And is it what everybody else would do? Yes. I don't always like to go that way. But in this case, I think they just got to play it safe across the board. Get a, get uh, Lawrence with the first pick and get like a safe, solid coach that they can go forward with who's not 60, 70 years old, somebody who's either in his early 40s or late 40s or early 50s and then go from there. So they got to play it safe. Oh, so John John Fox is going to be your head coach and he will bring he will him and Joe Flacco will turn that franchise. All right, we got to get into our football picks here cuz we always mix and match those Vegas lines and those uh DFS plays and the fantasy plays for the entire year. Philadelphia versus Cleveland starts us off John and hitting here. Uh I I got to ask you this. Philly has to attack through the air in this game, right? Mm-hmm. And Cleveland allows the eighth fewest rushing yards. That's why I say that. So they're not going to be able to run this thing at all. And I'm not sure Wentz is up to it. Uh, 209 yards passing per game is what Philadelphia average. Do you, do you think that Carson Wentz can help Philadelphia beat Cleveland this week? You know what? It's a, it's a great topic because I'm pretty surprised they haven't tried to play Jalen Hurts yet. Uh, I mean, why draft the guy in the second round or whatever it was late first round when they took him? The way that Wentz is playing, he's like spot on. Talk about Darnold, right? He's mm-hmm. just like Darnold or like Daniel Jones or like Baker Mayfield. He's at this point very clearly a fringe starting quarterback, like a little bit better Trubisky. That's how bad he's playing. I mean, I've seen, I think I've seen every single Eagles game. He's playing awful. The only time he ever plays well is when it's the fourth quarter and they're losing. That's when he plays well, when they rush up to the line and they hustle. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I have almost no faith in him right now. I've lost all confidence in Wentz. And like I said, they, they have so many guys that need to be fed right now that it's jumbling things. It's a little bit of an issue. So I, I don't feel confident in them, but I don't feel confident in the Browns either. The main thing in, above all in this game is the Browns rushing attack, right? Those two, those two guys, Chubb and Hunt, those guys are monsters, right? And the way Stefanski sets up the run. So, I mean, it's, it's at 50-50 and the line's been two and a half the whole time. I'm just going to take the Browns to win it by four. And my main reason is the running attack. I think they're going to run that ball, control the clock. And uh, I just don't trust the Eagles right now. That's where I'm at. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask you this. Do you think Jalen Hurts is the answer? Because I don't. I, if you're asking the question, who's our quarterback going on in the future? Right. I'm not sure that it's Carson Wentz. And I'm not sure that it's Jalen Hurts either. When I watch Jalen, and I'll, he'll always have a special place in my heart. Uh, he was Alabama quarterback for so many years and, right. and just uh, won so many national championships. So I, I kept my eye on him. He just doesn't have the zip on the ball. Uh, I think he has a running style more mm-hmm. than anything else, but I'm just not sure that he's a professional quarterback. And then when I watch Lamar Jackson play, I say, well, you know, anybody could do it then, you know, just about. And, and Jalen Hurts has that more of a game style like a Lamar than a uh, than, than, uh, Kyler Murray, who I think has a little better zip on the ball right I mean I won't rule him out altogether because he hasn't been given his opportunity yet um also being where he was drafted there must be a reason why he went that high uh based on the evaluators I would say probably not long term I don't think he's a pocket quarterback but then again you can always evolve your offense and your sets and the way you run your team so especially when you have a guy like Miles Sanders to go with that who is a good receiving back you know you could do a lot of plays where you fake the handoff or you do a little Mm -hmm. RPO or you do a little action in the backfield behind you where you fake the handoff or you toss it to the guy. You know, there's a lot you can do when you have an athletic quarterback and an athletic running back who can also catch the ball. So they can, they can change the way they do things. So I don't know if he's the answer, but let me say this. I absolutely would at least give him a chance now because when I look at it, I say three, five and one, right? That's what the Eagles are. Three, five and one. What do you got to lose? I don't feel like Carson Wentz is going to give you a chance to win a playoff game if you if you continue on and you win this division. So what if you put Hurts in there and just his running alone, the scrambling, starts to mess with the opposing teams just for the rest of the year, even if it's a temporary thing? I feel like there's no point in drafting him if you're not going to play him when Wentz is doing poorly. So that that's how I look at it. I don't think he's really the answer, but I think that he deserves a chance based on the situation. Maybe because Philadelphia knows Carson Wentz's injury history, mm. maybe they're just waiting. Because right. there's a possibility that he's going to get hurt, and it kind of, the problem might take care of itself a little bit right there, and then they don't have to look like I don't want to say the bad guys, but mm-hmm. you know that's that's a he's a player's coach, and it's just an organization that doesn't typically make a decision like that right away. So I, I've seen them getting Jalen Hurts a little bit ready by see, giving him some game time playing action, a snap here, a snap there. But uh, it, it may be that they're just waiting for Carson Wentz to get hurt. Okay, this line is sitting at the Browns being favored by two and a half. The total for this game is sitting at 47 right now, John. You said you're taking the Browns. Is that what you're sticking with? Yeah, I'm taking the Browns and I'm definitely taking the under. Doesn't that strike you? I mean, I think you're going to agree. Doesn't that strike you as a very hot line? If when I see the way how sloppy Philadelphia has been playing, and I know the fact that Cleveland's run-heavy attack is going to run the clock, so you got less possessions in the game overall, I was thinking the game was going to be about 42 and a half. What about you? I agree with you on that. Plus, it's going to be a muddy field. I think there's about chance of precipitation not a lot of wind or anything like that there so it's going to be a muddy field and once again those Cleveland Browns love to run the football and I think that that's just what it is and the Philadelphia Eagles will probably end up seeing a lot of three and outs so it's just going to be grind the clock grain the clock and the public is actually at a 51 
percent voting or, or placing wagers on the under as well. So I will go with you on that under. I do like that under. Yeah, that definitely looks like an under. You know, it's interesting leading actually to the next game because you have the situation with Hertz was kind of the same way the Saints would normally use Taysom Hill. And now that, you know, the next game is Atlanta at the Saints. And I don't know if you saw, there was just an update. Sean Payton refuses to announce who his starting quarterback is for the game. Really? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, that that's crazy. <laughs> And I'll say this. I let me write. Can I read? I'm going to read my little thing that I wrote here. Okay. Sure. Qu- John, quarterback decisions all week for Sean Payton. And not only did he announce Taysom Hill, who is tight end eligible in ESPN leagues as a starter, but the Saints also signed Trevor Simeon off the Titans practice squad and placed him on the active roster after placing Drew Brees on the IR. John, Atlanta plays a hungry style of defense. And will it matter if it's Taysom Hill? Jameis Winston, Trevor Simeon, or Bobby Bear under center for the New Orleans Saints this week? <laughs> what about Billy Joe Hobart? Remember him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another country boy right there. Um, I would say in this case, I'm just going to play it safe here. I'm going to go with Atlanta, knowing that Atlanta's situation hasn't really changed much. As a matter of fact, Calvin Ridley's probably going to be back this week. So mm. their situation has improved. So not knowing, right? I think we know what's going to happen, right? We, we can figure it out. We're, we're not dumb. They're going to play a little bit of Winston. They're going to play a little bit of Taysom Hill. They're going to do the Wildcat thing. They're going to use both running backs. They're going to go Kamara. They're going to go Murray. So you're going to get a foursome, right? You're going to get Hill. You're going to get Winston. You're going to get Kamara and Murray, all four of those guys, with a lot of stuff going on in the backfield. I mean, that's a no-brainer, and it's going to mix and match. And that's why he doesn't want to announce it, because he doesn't want them to know it's going to be a Swiss Army knife. It's not really going to be one guy. So uh, that's what's going to happen there. So being that we don't know exactly how that's going to play out, uh, I, it's tough to pick against them in the fit picks because they find a way to win. So I'm going to play this one conservative. I'm going to take the Saints to win it in a home game just based on the fact that Peyton is a better coach than Morris. So that means the only way it works both ways is the Saints are going to win this by a field goal, which makes sense because the line opened at 51, and I was really thinking 27-24 without even looking at it. So that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go 27-24 Saints. I'm going to take the Falcons to cover the spread. And I think Ridley will come in and give him a spark right away. I think he's going to be ready to go. All right. Now, as, as you factor this in, let me give the listening audience a little knowledge here. Atlanta is riding a two-game winning streak. New Orleans is riding a seven-game winning streak. So one of those has to come to an end. Atlanta is 7-1 seven, one, seven and one versus the spread on the road. And the total for this game is, has gone over seven of nine times for New Orleans. Or New Orleans. The seven of nine times for New Orleans has gone over. This yeah, year. I knew that so, about Atlanta because I haven't complained since week two, right? <laughs> we used to, we, that was our thing early in the year. We said, oh, Atlanta in the past, you never know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. After, after week two, and especially after they fired Dan Quinn, they've been covering the spread every time. I know that off the top of my head. So that's why I'm taking them. I'm taking them to cover the spread, but to lose the game because the Saints just find a way. And let me throw in a key factor. Will Lutz is a machine, the kicker, yeah. right? So when you're in a close game against him, he just, bla- not only does he make them, in the big spots. He kicks them right down the middle and it doesn't matter how close or how far it is. So that's a key factor in a close game. It really means a lot, which we know of course, from the past with the Patriots when they had Vinatieri in his prime and when they had Goskowski in his prime. Yeah, they, they won and they won a lot of championships and they went deep in the playoffs and they were consistent, but a lot of those games did come down to the kick. So that's another thing for the saints that helps them in these close games. Atlanta. And I get to watch them a lot down here. Mm -hmm. They, they don't tackle. But they always go for a ball punch. 
Or they okay. always go for the interception. They don't tackle. They try to knock the ball out of there. And I don't see that really happening a lot with the New Orleans Saints. But I do like the Saints to be able to dodge those tackles or to dodge those mishaps and just keep running down the field. I could see this game going over. I like Atlanta as well because they'll be able to come back and fire back and forth, fire back and forth with with New Orleans. I could see a lot of points being scored in this game, even though New Orleans may not have a starting quarterback. And you, you mentioned a four-headed monster. I'm going to put a fifth monster in there. There, okay? okay, and I, I don't. I, I may be. I, I may not remember remember his first name or his last name for that matter. Deontay Hall, isn't that the little wide receiver they have? Uh, Deontay Harris. That's Harris, what, thank that's you. What yeah. yeah, Deontay Harris. I could see him being back there in the backfield as well, taking that wildcat and just boom, you know, scooting really fast. And I could just see a lot of things from Sean Payton as he uncovers the back end of his playbook. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> like I said earlier, that's part of the reason why he's coach of the year right now, because that's a good point. That's what he does. That's exactly what he does. He's he's not putting anything on tape for you to see that you're going to see again, right? And that's why that's why the Taysom Hill, I don't know if you noticed lately when they've been doing that, lately, the last couple of times, they had him throw the ball. Because oh, yeah. for a while they were showing you, okay, Taysom Hill comes in and then he runs, right? Or he hands it off, one or the other. Now they mix in a couple play action and the guy's wide open. So they got everybody on their heels. The only problem is you don't have Drew Brees as the base player, you know, keeping the heartbeat of the team uh, and keeping them under control for the rest of the game. You don't have that. So I'm going to go under. Like you said, Atlanta's defense has been coming on, showing a little bit of promise. Okay. So because we're not sure about the quarterback situation, the way it's going to play out and we know, again, like the previous game, there's going to be a lot of running of the ball and a lot of short dump-offs that runs the clock. So I'm going to take Atlanta to cover the spread. I'm going to take the under, and I'm going to take the Saints to win it with my man, Will Lutz, at the end. Okay, Atlanta and the over for me, and I, I do like the Will Lutz pick, and that's why I just I like the four points as well. All right, yeah. and uh, a downgrade, fantasy-wise, to all the wide receiving core for the New Orleans Saints, I believe, yep. is what I'm hearing from both of us. Next game, John, you know, you got that little baby on the way. <laughs> and one of the things you're going to find out and giggle about are the words you start using and how you start talking to the baby, you know, <laughs> that little baby. And you're going to have you're going to be changing a diaper. Right. And you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be changing the diaper and you're going to be talking. Oh, look, she has a little poo poo. Oh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's nice. Oh, and oh, she's got a little boo boo, too. You know, you're going to be using all these terms. And right. both of these teams have got tons of boo-boos all over this field. Detroit, mm-hmm. I don't know how in the world they're going to pass the ball. I don't know what they're going to do because everybody is hurt. L- listen, can I read the opposite of Detroit's uh, injury report? Yeah, Marvin, sure. Ma- Marvin Jones Jr. is healthy. Everybody else <laughs> is hurt. Okay. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's, and so I don't know how they're going to pass the ball, and that's what they got to do against this Carolina defense. The Carolina defense is really good right now at uh, stopping the run, and it's going to be Adrian Peterson or it's going to be Carryon Johnson running the ball for the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford has got a messed up, I think, a thumb right now, and there's no mm-hmm. offensive weapons healthy for him. I just don't know how they're going to win this game, John. Am I looking at this wrong or am I looking at this right? Because what happened is we talk about this a lot here on the show. This has crossed over. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the week, Carolina Panthers were favored by one point, but now, probably because of the Teddy Bridgewater news, and it's still undecided if he's going to be starting quarterback or not, uh, the Detroit Lions are favored by one point, and this over-under is set at 46.5. Well, let me be clear on this. I like your logic on this, so, but it's not always logical the way that it plays out, right? That's what we've learned from the beginning of the year when we first started talking about thinking about the picks and how you make these plays and how you bet. Right. It's not about how you think. It's how you bet. 
What's what is the right strategy? So logic wise, talking through the football, I agree with you. Uh, that's a lot of injuries to deal with, and I do like a lot of what I've seen from Carolina, sort of like the Giants, right? The way the Giants have played really hard for their new coach. So Matt Rule and Joe Judge have both done a very good job there. However, seeing the line cross over and seeing the line drop a point in the over under as well from 47 and a half to 46 and a half is telling me that I think the lines makers and also I think Carolina they're leaning toward PJ Walker playing. And I like what I've seen from him. I saw him in the other league that he played because he was the most he was XFL. He was the best quarterback in that league. I saw him come in for Bridgewater when he left the game temporarily earlier this year. So what I want to say about him is I think if you gave him time and you gave him four, five, or six games, he might give you more upside than Bridgewater. However, when you bring him in for a one-game scenario where Bridgewater will probably be back the week after, he's going to be sloppy, and he's not going to be on time, and he's going to make some mistakes. So that's what I'm reading from the lines here is the Lions are going to win the game on defense with mistakes. There will be two or three guaranteed turnovers from Carolina with the quarterback situation, and it's also going to be a low-scoring game because the line came down a point in the over-under from 47.5 to 46.5. So really, I'm going to lean on Matt Patricia for once, which I haven't done all year. I'm going to say he's going to have the right game plan here. Hey, the Lions won four games, and they've had a lot of injuries, so you got to give him credit. He's done a pretty decent job as a head coach. So I'm going to go on Patricia and his defense to find a way to come up with three turnovers. I'm going to take the Lions to win plus the under. Okay. And, and I wrote that down for myself as well. I put Detroit plus the under. Carolina is coming off of five straight losses, and they've lost their quarterback as well. Mike Davis is a little bit banged up. I just can't see how in the world they can win this game, and that usually means that Carolina will win this game. Right. <laughs> That's what uh, you know, Dave Portnoy uh, he's a famous guy in the in the industry, El Prez. He always does that. So he, when he does his weekly pick for the Thursday night game, he does like a little segment. And then whatever he picks, at the very end, he switches to the opposite. Because he'll, he'll go into a whole thing of why he likes this certain thing. And he'll go, and that's why I have to take the other team. So that that's what he does basically every time. I didn't know that. I did not steal it. I'm not plagiarizing. Please don't sue me. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, You're all good. Our next game, New England versus Houston. Houston has lost three of their last four. New England has won two in a row, John. Is there any way and that Cam will just be able to keep carrying this team week in and week out? He has found weapons through the air. He's now running. A, the, the New England Patriots are now running a lot with Harris on the ground. And Houston, Houston is last versus the run, 18th versus the pass. All the street signs in Alabama point towards a New England win. Yep. No, you're right. I, and one thing I want to say is this is a good game to start with the actual fantasy players and not the teams. Oh. I want to be clear. I just tweeted this before the show, actually. Sony Michelle is going to be active, and I do not view him as a threat to Damian Harris. I think Damian Harris now is coming on very strong as a possible tier one running back, the way that the Patriots are playing in terms of strategy and what he shows, that you can stack the box knowing New England's going to run the ball and he can run right through you. So I just want to be clear, even if Michelle is out there, I'm still using Damian Harris across the board, whether it's DFS or if it's season long. So that's my comment on that. And again, we got another one here. By the way, since that first week when we had the three crossovers, the crossovers only went one and two, they've been winning every time since. So I'm get, this is another one. It started with the Texans being a three-point favorite. Now New England's two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think this one's pretty clear. This one feels like a Patriots win by four. Not a blowout because they can't blow you out because they're not good enough at this point. Defensively or offensively, they're not good enough. So they, right. they will not blow you out. 
but they can do enough to win close. So I'd take the Patriots to win it by four. I'm still going to use Harris. And if you're getting, you know, if you want to take a dart throw, you could still try to use Burkhead because his salary is not that high. That's just a consideration. Yeah, Jacoby Myers as well. I don't think his salary is very high on DraftKings yet. It hasn't caught up to how many targets they've had. Uh, maybe that has a little bit to do with the uh, amount of touches that he was able to get against Baltimore, but he still had the targets, and that Baltimore defense is very good. Uh, in this game, John, if you have been paying attention, you will have noticed that the under has hit four of the last six games for New England. New England is 8-1 and one versus Houston in their last nine, but the under is four of Houston's last five home games, and Houston is two and eight against their spread in the last 10. So I am taking New England as well. I am taking the over. I don't know if all that contradicted my overpick or not, but <laughs> I like saying those things a little bit. I've been trying to say them. I'm getting more familiarized with the terms, and they're not as jumbled up as they used to be. So I'm taking the over in this because I think both defenses are not as good as most people remember them being. It's it's a tricky pick. I like where you're going with that. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I like the way you're thinking about it. Here's why. The Texans didn't even show up last week, right? Oh. They, they It was like they weren't even there. So on that note, I want to say I do think Duke Johnson is going to bounce back mm-hmm. because you, I always like it this way. When the guy is a really popular chalk play, it almost never hits, right? It's like a setup. It's like everybody's going to use the guy for a low salary and they flop. It's like it, it happens without fail. Now everyone's going to be like, well, Duke Johnson stunk last week, so I'm not going to use him. And the Texans offense stunk. So I like where you're going. It's almost like they're going to bounce back and he's going to bounce back. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the points will come up a little bit from where they were. And I do like Duke Johnson. Uh, it's going to be close because the line went up uh, two points. So it's going to be really close. That 49 is pretty high. I still feel like it might be an under, but uh, that's a nail biter. Yeah. Hang on one and, second, my buddy. I gotta, I gotta run out for one second. I'll be right okay. back. Okay. Uh, let me make sure everybody knows that they are listening to the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. You can follow John over on Twitter at LegendSports7. You can find me on Twitter as well at Loafinit. And don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore there. You can head over to Anchor FM as well. Whatever listening platform you like to listen to podcasts on, you can find it right there on Anchor FM. Just click on it. If it happens to be on the Apple iTunes app, You can make sure you slap those stars for us. You can leave a comment. That's another way that you can help out the show. And uh, let's not forget, on my pinned tweet, on the loafing it side or on the fit side, I think, on on the Fantasy Impact Today side as well, and also on the Mugs Fly Together side of things on Twitter, at Mugs Fly Together, you can see the pinned tweet there on how you can enter the contest to get a free mug and some Tasty Cakes sent to you. This uh, to your house this Christmas, this holiday season. Uh, just all you got to do is tell me which mug that you want and tell me not only that, but uh, uh, tell us which is your favorite football team so we can design some Fantasy Impact Today mugs and football mugs at the same time. So just work on all those things together. Leave it down there in the reply underneath those pinned tweets. And if you decide that you want to just go ahead and buy a mug from Mugs Fly Together, just type in Fit10. And that'll give you a 10% discount there at that website. And I think that there is a link also under that pinned tweet on how to find Mugs Fly Together really, really easy. John, uh, do me a favor. Look to your left, buddy. You see it? Yep. Look to your right. Do you see it? Yeah. Look look under your chair, John. I'm trying to see if you find the Pittsburgh Steelers running game because they have none right now. All they're doing is throwing the ball a tremendous amount of times. I, I'm, I'm about to put out a uh, all-persons bulletin for James Conner because I just can't find him on the football field. And here's the scary thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
The Pittsburgh Steelers are favored by 10.5 points this week. The total for the game is at 46. The Jacksonville Jaguars allow 283 passing yards this year through the air. That is ranked 30th in the NFL. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, all they do is pass the ball. This is going to be a runaway for Pittsburgh, right? Or yeah. is yeah, it like in my it. head where they kind of downplay to all their opponents? No, no, no. This is a runaway because of the defense. More, more than anything you just said, Jacksonville with Luton playing quarterback against the way that defense is playing right now, that's the runaway. I, I don't know if they'll score. I don't know if they'll get more than um, – they have a maximum, a ceiling of like 10 points to me <laughs> in this game, unless you count garbage time. So I like uh, I like Pittsburgh to just run away with this one, mostly because the combination of those two things, right, of having Pittsburgh have the better offense, they're better in every facet of the game except maybe at running back because James Robinson's been really good, but they're going to pretty much dominate offensively, and then Jacksonville's going to struggle the score. Uh, if you add those things together, it's a runaway. So the, it's for sure. And the point uh, total did go up. The line went up a half a point from 10 to 10 and a half. And uh, the over-under stayed at 46 the whole time. So this is going to be exactly what I said. It's going to be a low-scoring game for Jacksonville. Uh, it could be, let's see, let me add it up. So I got 7, 14, 21, 20. I got 31 to 7 Pittsburgh Steelers. Woo, okay. All right. So I guess you're taking the Steelers, and uh, you're not going to gamble on the over-under if you were placing a bet with that being that close. Me, personally, I like Pittsburgh. And then I'm going to hedge my bet, and I'm going to take the over. Because because if, if Jacksonville keeps it close, then it's going to go. The game is going to go over. So that's what I'll do. I'll hedge the bet uh, just a little bit. And and plus, I do see it. Like you said, even if you went for that score, I think that that would hit the over just a little bit. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the DFS play for sure is the Steelers defense. I mean, they're going to be the highest salary, but uh, you have to. You have to play them because I just can't see how Luton can play well against them unless you know what happens like last week with Green Bay. You get the classic letdown where they just don't play as hard because they know by the end of the game they're going to win, which is exactly what we said. We nailed that game on Jacksonville. They covered the spread last week. But Pittsburgh's not that kind of team. That's the difference. Green Bay is the kind of team that will play up for the good teams and play down for the bad teams, coast along, kind of follow what Aaron Rodgers does, do that kind of thing. Pittsburgh is playing on both sides of the ball, whereas Green Bay is not. Pittsburgh is not going to let that happen. They're, they're going to control this game. Next game, Green Bay versus Indianapolis. John, I remember Aaron Rodgers uh, versus a defense like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how he just really let me down. Mm. This is another big defense here in the Indianapolis Colts defense. They are really, really good. This line has crossed throughout the week as well. Uh, do you see a Green Bay win or do you see an Indianapolis win? This time I'm going to go against it, right? Because we don't want to get too predictable. I always tell everybody that. Really, this No, it's true. It's... It's too, you can't just do things the same way because you have a quote unquote system. Because if there was a system, we'd all be making money on betting instead of working jobs. You know what I mean? Like all of us know football, right? All you guys and girls that are listening right now, we all know the game. Wes and I know the game. If we knew it that much and there was a system, we'd be millionaires betting on the games. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't be working and humping our hard regular jobs. You know what I mean? So that's the key. And I, I'm serious about that. You, you really got to read each game for what it is. And then every once in a while, you got to let your instincts overtake a game. You can't do all your games on instincts because I guarantee you're going to lose most. You're going to lose three quarters if you do it all on instincts and on logic. But like I said, that's three quarters, which means about 25% of your games, your, your gut instinct is going to be right. So, so what I feel here is every time it feels like the right time, quote unquote, to take the Colts. So you got the line crossing over. You got only 39% on Indianapolis. This game is screaming 
to take Indianapolis if you're a sharp better. And the last time it was like that was against Baltimore. It was screaming for you to take Indianapolis. All the factors added up. It didn't work out. Baltimore won that game pretty easily. So I'm going to go with Green Bay. And a lot of times I go against Green Bay like I did last week, and I was correct. This time I'm going to go with them, and I'm going to go with the class of Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. MVS is on a rise right now. So I'm going to take the Packers to win this one actually by a pretty comfortable amount if you look at the spread. I'm taking the Packers to win this game by seven. Oh, boy. Wow, that is a big jump. That is like your bold prediction of the week right there, mm-hmm. bud. And mm-hmm. I completely disagree with you because the Green Bay Packers cannot stop the run. And the oh. Indianapolis Colts love to run the football. Uh, and I think that the defense is going to be able to give them a headache a little bit. Devontae Adams is a little bit banged up. But here's the other scary thing. The Green Bay Packers secondary, that's still a little bit banged up. I think they're all probable at this point uh, mm-hmm. playing all their DBs. But it's still, if they're limping around out there, there's enough talent. And Phillip Rivers really has found a comfort zone behind that that front line that you talked about in Indianapolis this year. He, boy, those are his little safety blankets right now. Yeah, well, let's talk about the fantasy situation because this is an important one for the whole league mm-hmm. and for everybody. Uh, how do you feel about the running back situation? Uh, is this a repeat? Is it, Are we looking in the mirror of week one where Naheem Hines just had a particular game where everything worked out his way and they had it to keep him hot and they had to keep feeding him in different ways and he had a monster game? Or... Was that game against Tennessee the transition? Is that the transition to where Frank Reich and Philip Rivers say, you know what, Jonathan Taylor is a rookie. He's going to get his chances in the future. At right now, Naheem Hines is the best guy we got. Not We know about his pass catching, right? We know about his Austin Eckler style that we talk about. But he's scoring in the red zone when you hand the ball off to him. He gets He can either get around the edge. He can get off the left tackle. If you notice, they've been running off the left tackle with him, and then he gets upfield into the end zone, or he can kind of squeeze in between the tackles because he's a smaller guy and he gets lost in the shuffle. So the question, we can both address it. I'll ask you, is he the guy now, or are they just going to go back to using all three guys? What do you think? It really looked to me from the sofa that Naheem Hines is the best first back that they have. So he's the most unpredictable back. He can run it. He can pass catch just like you're talking about. But if I look at the history of the Colts this year, it's been unpredictable about what they're going to do in the backfield. And I don't think that, though, that that is necessarily what Frank Reich's system is. If Marlon Mack would have been the running back this year and not been hurt, I'm going to say just like last year, when it always looks like it's a three-headed monster, it's really not when you look at the stats at the end of the season. Marlon Mack was a dominant running back in the league and has been for the Colts, I believe, each and every year. We always short sell it because we always think he shares touches. He shares touches. But I think at the end of the year, when you look at it, you're like, he didn't share touches at all. That was his backfield. And yeah. so I really think Frank Reich wants somebody to claim that backfield. And if Naheem Hines, if it wasn't Naheem Hines claiming that backfield last week, I don't know who it was, who it will ever be. Yeah, the only thing about Mac, the difference is that when you take a running back as high as they took Taylor, you're basically forced to at least try him out. So that's the difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. Marlon Mack, the last couple of years prior to this, had established himself as the best guy on the team. He he did become the best running back, so I agree with that. But you do throw a wrinkle in it when you draft a, a – because running backs, as we all know, they've been kind of devalued, right? So once once you say, I'm taking a stand on this guy, I'm taking JT this high, He's going to get his touches. So I do have to disagree with you on that only because of what they did in the draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's this is a tough situation because a lot of people are in that spot now where they're looking to make their stretch run in fantasy leagues. And it's like, well, was that a fluke or not? I mean, th- let's put it this way. I feel a lot more comfortable 
playing Naheem Hines in a full point PPR just in case it goes back to being the nonsense where he's getting the dump offs. So that's what I would say is I still don't feel 100% confident if you're playing him in standard, which there's still some people out there playing standard, or even the half point. He's not giving you as much as the half point PPR. So it's a really tough call. But for the game, I am going to take Green Bay. I'm going off the class of those superstar players that I mentioned. Um, yeah, it's, t- it's a tough one. It's t- I'm taking Green Bay, though. Green Bay is 6-3 and three against the spread the last nine games. The under has hit four of the last six games for Green Bay. But I'll say this, the total has gone over four of the last six games for Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I am taking the Indianapolis Colts. And I, it's hard. It's really hard not to take an over whenever it's sitting there at 47 with a couple of high-powered offenses, really. But I also look at these defenses and this, the, the, especially the defensive backs in this, in, in both of these backfields for or defensive backfields for the these two teams, and it's really hard to complete passes against them when they're all healthy. So I'm going to leave that total alone. If anything, though, I, I, well, I got to leave that total alone. It's probably going to hit it right on the head, man. It looks like Vegas got that one right. <laughs> well, let me let me just let me jump in and correct you on that. You're looking at the game below it. You're looking at Cincinnati and Washington. So the, the correct the correct line for Green Bay and Indianapolis, oh. it was 49 and a half, and now it jumped to 51. So that, that game is, is screaming over. Like that that might be – we might have just nailed the breadwinner right there, for me at least. Uh-huh. Uh, I think this game is going to be closer to 54 points. I feel pretty comfortable in the 54, 55 range for this game. So it went from 49 and a half to 51. Uh, in a couple of – three of the sites, it went to 51 and a half. It jumped two full points. So, yeah, I'm going to take Green Bay and the over in this game. Wow, I would take the under in this game. I, I I thought that that 47 looked about right, so I'm going to take the under in this game uh, because of those two defensive backs. I think there could be some interceptions thrown in this game. All right, the next one, Washington. Washington versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati at Washington. Let me, let me correct myself. And this game is sitting at a 47-point total, and Washington is sitting there favored at one and a half points. If there is an offensive show that's going to be put on Sunday, John, I think it's this one. The only thing that concerns me is Washington has a really good pass defense. And if I were to ask you, what does Cincinnati do best, run or pass the ball? I'm going to say you're going to say pass the ball. And I'm not sure they can do that on Sunday. Yeah, and also I think Mixon's pretty much done for the year now. I think they put him on IR earlier today. So it's it's they can't seem to get him back and get him healthy. And as we've said, Gio Bernard is a solid backup running back. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. He's not built to be your every down back. That's why... They use them in passing situations, et cetera, in the past. So in this particular game, and I want to say something, a feel-good story of the week, right? How about Alex Smith throwing for 370 yards? Yeah. I mean, I don't care what this I don't care if they were down by four touchdowns or five touchdowns. Just for him to be able to do that after what he's been through. So hats off to Alex Smith, and I agree. I think people, by the time we get to the final betting line and we get the final percentages, I think that people are going to feel like, Cincinnati is the good-looking pick there with Burrow. You know what I mean? They're going to say, oh, I'm going to go offense here. I'm going to go with Burrow, la-di-da. I think the solid football ground ground and pound defense, let's get down in the trenches pick, is Washington. So I am going to take Washington to win this game straight up uh, based on the strength of the defense, and they'll do just enough. Antonio Gibson's been really solid, right, the rookie running back. I like him again this week against Cincinnati. Um, I'm going to take Washington here. Okay, I'm taking Washington as well, but we're going completely against the public on this one, John. The public is betting 59 against the spread, 63% against the money line, and they are taking the over at 60% on the over right now. That may change as the game gets a little bit closer, but that's where it's sitting on a Saturday afternoon. Ah, uh, I, I see one of the lines 
which is Pinnacle, which is one of the biggest books out there, they went down a half a point. Uh, I think, right, when we want to do a combo pick, right, we want to pick a spread and an over-under in the same game, we got to think about what's the way that has to play out for the team that we're picking, right? So let's backtrack one game. If I'm going to take the Packers to beat the Colts, then they got to play their way to win, right? If the Colts play their way, the Colts are going to cover the spread. It's going to be an under. That's the Colts way. If the game gets played, the Packers game, they're going to win. It's going to be an over. You follow? So the same thing in this Mm -hmm. game. If Washington plays their style, it's going to be an under. If Cincinnati plays their style and they win, it's going to be an over. So I'm going to take Washington and the under when I flip the coin on this one. I did too, John. That's what I wrote down. I wrote down Washington and under. And oh, just for the for the record, you took the Green Bay and the over, and I took Indianapolis and the under on the last game. So we at least we're thinking somewhat similar. And I would be really nervous if I was you, John, about that. Okay, I'd be yeah, really uh, nervous. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not too nervous because as we've seen, if you go back now to the original show with the win totals, I mean, I'm starting to pull away now. If you if you go back, go back, oh, sit down, on. you know, get some popcorn, and go back and listen to that episode, and you'll say, man. I thought it was going to be close, but now I'm just running away with it. Because even my quote-unquote bad picks like Minnesota won three in a row, and that was my bad pick. So you're you're in trouble now. My context of that program, and you go back and listen to it. Yeah. I said I try to get with, I try to do all these, and if it's three, if it's three uh, win totals, or if, if it's three wins or losses difference there, then I think that that's a good wager on those win totals. And so that's all I'm doing. I'm trying to find the good wagers. If it's not above three, if it's in within the, within the three range, I'm not even touching it. But if it's above or outside of the three range, then I think it's a good play. So that's my context. Listen, don't don't try to twist my words, John. Okay. No, no offense, my friend, but you're outside of your depth here because betting is not your thing. If you, if you okay. said, could could you imagine if you said something like that to a professional better or someone yeah. that works in Vegas, oh, yeah. they would laugh you. They would laugh you out of the building. A three win spread either way on an over over under total, like yeah. it's obscene. They put these things down to the half, right? They literally put the win totals down to the half. That's how much one game counts. So to say you only feel comfortable within three, I mean, they would let, they basically say, then don't pick any. You can't pick any of them if you're only going to do a spread of three. You got to, you know, you got to look a little closer than that and look a little harder than that, my friend. Well, we, the, we still have time. We'll still have time and we'll see mm-hmm. about that. And I'll throw a caveat out there. If you do go back there, you look at that pin tweet. I messed up Philadelphia's win total. I messed it up. I, I don't know. I got it backwards, I think. But anyway, this next game, John, in your opinion, does Josh Jacobs run the ball a lot in Vegas? Yes, uh, he what, certainly does. What about Dalvin Cook? Is he a workhorse back? Yes, he is. Okay. All right. Josh Jacobs, through nine games, has rushed the ball 182 times. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook, through eight games, missing a little bit of time even, 174 times. Woo! Woo! Okay. Guess what Derrick Henry's nine-game total is? Derrick Henry's nine-game total. Those two guys went for a lot. Derrick Henry, they, they basically stick with him the whole way. And those guys are about 170, 180. I'm going to say 215. 201 times. Oh, man. Listen, listen. Uh, 22 times. Oh, let me, in your opinion, did Derrick Henry run a lot lot last year? Uh, He, I believe he ran the most in the league last year, if I recall that. Or Zeke, one of those two. Yes. Uh, He he ran 303 times Mm. in in 15 games, not even 16 games. Zeke ran the ball 301 times in 16 games. Look at how broke. What would you say that Zeke looks like he's a little bit tired this year? Yeah, Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Derrick Henry is rushing the ball 22 times per game this season. 
That would put him on pace for 352 carries this year. Mm. I say all that because I say this. Derrick Henry looks really tired to me. All right. I've watched him for years, right? You know, I'm on the Derrick Henry, choo choo. You know, I'm, I'm tuning it up and everything. He, he's, one of the, he's one of the guys I'd love to see with his shirt off at some point in my life, just, be, just to be inspired, you know, just so I could be inspired. And it would take me back to my young days when the first time I saw Apollo Creed. Remember the first time you saw Apollo Creed in the ring versus uh, uh, the, the Italian stallion, Rocky Balboa? And you went, wow, look monster. at that. That guy's a man, you know, and I, <laughs> that's, I started doing pushups when I saw Apollo Creed, you know, and, and after I did five, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll look more like a uh, uh, lineage squeaky more than that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, you know, Apollo Creed later on in his career, if you think about the actor, he went on to play Happy Gilmore's uh, golfing coach. I don't know yeah. if you realize that Carl Weathers, that's the same yeah. guy. And, uh, wasn't he the caddy too, or something like that for him? He, uh, at the beginning, he was sort of, well, he was the coach. So he was on the course. Oh, with yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But then he passes away. I mean, they make it funny. It's not like a really uh, tragic thing. They kind of make it into a joke, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, so he went from early in his career, a boxing legend to a, a golf coach, if you consider the same actor. Oh, he had that little stint too on that, in that Mississippi town, in that little detective show. Uh, I forget that, but I, I do remember that he was in predator. That's another Sparta. Sparta, Mississippi is where the show was based on. And I was so glad I never lived in Sparta, Mississippi. There was so much drama in Sparta, Mississippi. <laughs> I'm telling they they just I mean, every single week there was people dying and drugs and there. Wow, that was a that was a tiny little town too. Uh, all right, so Wait, 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 wait. I like this topic. You because this is your area. You you should tell me, right? Because this thing is very popular right now. These areas in the middle of nowhere, as we would say in you know, in the city areas, they're getting all these shows. So you had Fargo, the movie originally, right? That was in Minnesota in the middle of nowhere. Then you had Fargo, the TV show, which is now in a third or fourth season. You have this show that just came out called Big Sky, which is in Montana. And then you mentioned this other show. What, what is it? You tell me from your perspective where you live. Why do they make these shows about these small towns where everybody gets killed and there's all this stuff going on all the time? Like what's going on behind the scenes? Anything where you live? They're pre-programming us for something, John, and you're going to start getting me going down a conspiracy trail that you cannot return away from. I will get you woke, John. If you want me to get you woke, I will get you woke. If you want to take the little blue pill, that's fine. But the red pill, man, just just I, I will take you. Look, look, man, if you want to go down there, I'm fine. Adrenochrome, you want to talk about that? I got it. No problem. OK, why? Why the small towns, though? What What's what's the conspiracy? Okay, all it is, is is Hollywood looking for the cheapest place to be able to film things, and, and that's what they're doing. Right. Let's, just cut the t- let's just cut to the chase, man. You're right. You're probably right about that. Good point. All right, next game. <laughs> all right, so anyway, we got this one with the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens, both of them we talked about before, with identical records in the league right now. And to me, Derrick Henry looks tired, like I said, and it really looks worn out. And I, I, from, from a personal standpoint, from somebody who just loves Derrick Henry, uh, I, I just wish they would give him a couple game break to allow him to heal, to, to mend a little bit. And maybe that's why we saw the introduction of Devontae, was it Devontae Foreman? Is that his name? Uh, Foreman yeah. last week? Yeah, Don, okay. Deonta, they, I think they pronounce it Deonta or Dante. Yeah. Like D apostrophe O-N-T-A. Yeah, and he got uh, nine to ten carries last week, and that little ball of fire for them uh, coming in as well, who averages about five touches per game. He's doing really well as a backup running back as well. Let's just go ahead and give Derrick Henry a little bit of a rest. You know, let's just let's just see if we can't give him a rest because I can't see how he'll bounce back against the Baltimore Ravens this week. Yeah, I, you hit the nail on the head because I noticed that as well. I'm like, where did Foreman come from? I remembered him very well from the Texans 
where they drafted him highly, but he got injured about six different times. And they could never get him into the lineup. And finally they said, forget it. Let's just move on from this guy. But I remembered that when he was healthy, he, he was on the fantasy radar. And people were interested in him saying, you know, Lamar Miller is getting older. This Foreman guy is going to come along and take his job away. And that probably would have been true if he could stay healthy. So uh, for sure, that's why they're mixing him into the fold now is they, they got to figure out a way in the middle stretches here to get Henry down from, let's say, if he's going to go for normally 25 carries to get him down to 15 to 17 carries. So they're looking for ways to do that. As far as this game goes, you got two teams where I think people are losing faith in both teams, right? Tennessee really looked overmatched by Indianapolis in that Thursday night game. Uh, and Baltimore, every week you start to say, oh, they're going to bounce back, but they never do. So you're, you're starting to lose faith in these two teams. If I had to pick one here, because they're getting the points, right? The Ravens, are. I mean, it went down already from six to five. It's a, it's a tough spot. I, mm-hmm. I do think the Ravens are going to win this game, but because the line went down, I'm taking Tennessee to cover. I think, I think that's what it's telling us. So I'm going fit picks Baltimore. I'm going spread pick uh, Tennessee to lose this game by three. I do think Baltimore will get on the winning track now. Um, it's a tough, tough game for sure. Okay. I think every single week we talk about Tennessee covering or Tennessee getting that uh, late touchdown in order to beat the spread. I'm done with that. Okay. Not it's last Baltimore. week. I, I think I took, I took Indianapolis on Thursday last week. But well, yeah, I, don't, I, I can't more. remember a thing, John. I slapped flat down on a on a Tempur-Pedic bed one time and I lost all my memory. Okay. I can't remember. <laughs> it just seems like it to me. All right. It just seems like it to me. And so I'm going to take Baltimore this week to cover the spread, to stomp the Titans. Derrick Henry's going to be huffing and puffing, looking for oxygen. And I just don't think that this game is going to hit the over either. I think it's at 49 and a half right now. I don't, I don't think it's a, you know, it's an offensive juggernaut. And and let me just say this. uh, Mm -hmm. We keep waiting for Hollywood Brown's breakout game, breakout season. Willie Sneed has taken over that wide receiver as the wide receiver one right now. Uh, Would you agree with me? You've been reading my column, right? Remember, oh, everybody, yeah. Aaron Torres online, lead fantasy columnist, three weeks ago, I said, he's lying in the weeds, but Willie Sneed is finding a way to get open in the middle of the field. He's a veteran guy who does not drop the ball. He does not complain when he doesn't get the ball. He doesn't make trouble for his teammates. Lamar Jackson is starting to lean in that direction. That was three weeks ago, and now he's had two big games out of the last three. So I agree with you 100%. I've been writing about it in the column over there. Don't forget John Frisella Sports, the blog as well. Been working with Jeff Colhane and Andy Rykoff over at the guys in Minnesota. So uh, we got a lot of stuff going on, but yes, I agree with you. And I want to thank you, by the way, for bringing up the point about that maybe sometimes we run into similar storylines. I want to make a key point for all the betters out there. Do not get in a position where you, quote unquote, like a team that you always bet on or, quote unquote, dislike or I can't stand that team. They always screw me over. Don't get into that. That's a trap. I'm going to tell you why. There's only 32 teams you can bet on. So if you're an NFL specialist and you start saying every time you see one team, I'm taking them every time or I'm going against this team every time because I have a vendetta, you're already limiting the scope of what you can do. There's only so much action you can get. So don't do that. Don't don't get down that path. The only time I'll give you a pass is if you know for a fact that Pat Mahomes is healthy and you're talking about the playoffs and you just want to ride the Chiefs. That's the only time I'll give you a pass. You can take the Chiefs every time. Don't even look at the spread. Other than that, you shouldn't fall into that trap. What about me and barking about the Bears every time and saying there's no way they're going to win this game. There's no way they're going to cover. The team is terrible. The offensive is just terrible. I'm looking through it pretty clear, and I, I got a vendetta against the Bears right now. Yeah, well, if you if you count up the whole season, it evens out. Because when they were 2-1, and one, you were already saying that. Then they won three in a row. 
I'm sa- no, I'm serious. I'm not even. No. So when they were two and one, you're like the Bears. That's a fake two and one. The Bears are not good. They don't know who the quarterback is. It's a mess. I don't like the coach. So they won three in a row, and then you continued with the storyline, and you are correct. Then they lost four in a row. So I guess you'd be four and three if you go by that logic. Which you know, in this in this case, it worked recently, but didn't work early in the year. Okay. Uh, next game. <laughs> Look at this is a weird game to me. They've announced Andy Dalton as the starter. I can yeah. see them trying to change that before the game as well. I don't know how in the world you can name Andy Dalton a starter. Or maybe that is, once again, a tip of the cap to the old veteran. And maybe after two interceptions of the ball not moving, they allow the rookie to come in there and ride in on a white horse into Minnesota and save the day. Because right now, the, the Dallas, Dallas right now is Oh, well, let me say this differently because I can't I can't do it that way. Minnesota is favored by seven points. <laughs> Dallas is seven point underdog. I did do it. See, I did do it. Dallas, uh, Minnesota is a seven point favorite in this game and the total has dropped two points. It's sitting at 48 points for the game. John, uh, what do you think about this one? Well, listen, we're all human. Right. And I just said, don't be spiteful about teams and don't have vendettas. And here we are in the first game right afterward. I'm going to be spiteful. I'm taking the Vikings because I can't stand the Cowboys playing Andy <laughs> Dalton. I'm with you. I'm with you on this. I, it's ridiculous. How could you have Garrett Gilbert? Let, let's keep everything really seriously in mind, right? I don't know why I get so passionate about the Cowboys. I guess because every year they try to sell us on them being a contender, and there's always a reason why it doesn't work, and it gets annoying after a while, right? Even though I have absolutely nothing vested in them. If anything, I, you know, I have the Giants as my rival here in New York because – you know, where Jets fans are giants. So I don't know what it is with Dallas. But that being said, Garrett Gilbert played against the Steelers in his only game. That's the litmus test. He showed a lot of good things in that game. Mm-hmm. How could you be in a situation that you're in right now, which is you're not out, which is a miracle. You're two and seven in last place and you're not out of it. How could you go to Andy Dalton, who's a washed up old bum, when you had Gilbert, who played pretty well against by far the best defense in the league? How could you not play him? So because they're doing that and they're being dumb, and I know why they're doing it, it's because they want to justify the fact that they signed him in the first place, Andy Dalton. That's why they're doing it. I've heard Jerry Jones talking Andy Dalton up to the media. So I know the reason, but I don't care. I'm taking Dalvin Cook. I'm taking Cousins. How about my man, Justin Jefferson? Shout out to the rookie who's on that uh, that team of mine that won eight in a row. So shout out to Kyler Murray and Jefferson who have been doing some damage for me. I'm taking the Vikings to win this one by two touchdowns. 14-point victory for Minnesota. I got Minnesota as well to win this one. I don't like that they have to cover a seven-point spread, but I think that that's going to be pretty easy to do because either way, Dallas is not going to be able to move the ball against that Minnesota Vikings defense who has really come around this year, playing terrible at the beginning part of the year, but really they've they've come around, uh, made leaps and bounds last year. They they This year, they made... They made the Bears look just terrible, didn't they? I mean, the Bears, that, that was that was terrible, and I understand it was the Bears. They changed offensive coordinators throughout the year. They had lost a key piece in Montgomery as far as leaning on it, but, man, they just couldn't move the ball at all, and I, I could see the same thing happening to those Dallas Cowboys this week. John, next one, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Seems like this happened just a couple of weeks ago. Well, I think it did happen just a couple of weeks ago, but this time we have Kansas City. I think last time, what weren't they favored by double-digit points, and now they're only favored favored by eight this week, but man, this is the highest point total on the board, I believe, sitting at 57 points for this game, John. Are we able to fire up all the players in this game from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, fire up everybody except your buddy. So first of all, step one, hats off to Wes Easley at Lofinit for saying, hey, I see something out of Devontae Booker this year. 
early in the year. He's like, I know he's not getting a lot of carries, but I see something on the tape here. He looks very bouncy. Last week they blew him out, so they were able to get him in there, and he scored two touchdowns. But that's why I got to warn you, right? I'm being, I'm not picking on West here. You can't use him now because it's a sucker's play. He just had his best game of the season, and at the end of the day, when the Raiders are playing in a, in a division game, when they have to try to beat them for the second time, which you know is going to be doubly as hard, you're not going to see Booker unless something happens to Jacobs. So that's my point. If you want to pick up Booker, if he's still out there in your deeper leagues, and put him on your bench and stash him in case something happens to Jacobs, that's fine. But mm-hmm. don't use him in DFS. Don't fall for the fact that he scored two touchdowns last week. So I just want to be clear about that. I do want to just back up one step because it's an important discussion and an argument overall in the NFL. I want to say part of the reason that Minnesota, right, from the last game has won three in a row is because they established Jefferson, and now they have Thielen and Jefferson running that tandem wide receiver group. In my opinion, wide receiver is the second most important position in the NFL after quarterback. So I just want to bring this up because it's a really important debate. In your opinion, Wes, what is the second most important position? We all agree on quarterback. But after that, where do you go? What determines how good a team really is? If if a team has that distinctive wide receiver, somebody they can lean on, the Devontae Adams of the world, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't need anybody else. They could sprinkle in all kinds of players back and forth there. Look, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is that guy. I don't know what it is about him, but he, he never seems to be open. You know what I mean? He always has to make those miracle catches. Allen Robinson has to be able to make those miracle catches where you come out of your chair and you go, look at that guy. I can't believe it. Devontae Adams has separation. And I think that that is one of the most important things that you can have. So a quarterback can throw the ball to somebody and be confident that he's going to have separation 80% of the time from their defensive back. And they don't have to make a perfect throw every time. So I agree with you. I love wide receiver on a team. Uh, It just makes me feel more comfortable when I sleep at night. Yeah, and even even look at the Jets, right? Great example because they didn't have those three receivers together for the entire year for both quarterbacks. The first game, and we're not talking about top guys here. It's just better than your backups, right? That's the key. When you have guys that are supposed to be your starters and they're better than the other guys and you put them all out there, it makes the job easier for the quarterback. So the first game that the Jets had, Brashad Perryman, Jamison Crowder, and Denzel Mims, Flacco had his best game in two, three years. So that just goes to show you. So uh, it's interesting we agree. I'd actually like to pose that question to the audience. If you're listening now or if we shoot it out there on Twitter, I'd like to know. We all agree. Quarterback's the number one position. What is the second most important position in the NFL? I think it's an interesting topic. Oh, you just got another viral tweet, my friend. I think you just (laughs) found another viral tweet. I'll let you tweet that out because I I wouldn't be able to phrase it right. All right. Did you hear about what Las Vegas did in Kansas City City the last time they were there? Yeah, they whooped. Yeah, they, they did. They whooped him. And you know what they did? What? John Gruden said, hey, guys, let's get on this bus and take a little victory lap around Kansas City Stadium. And they, they did. They took a victory lap or two around the Chiefs Stadium is what I've heard. And that could just really fire everybody thinking that that's going to really fire up this Kansas City Chief uh, team right now. And the public is betting 60 percent on the Chiefs to cover. They are betting 55% that they're going to win the game outright, and they're putting 53% of their money on the over, John. Do you agree with the public? Uh, I don't agree with the public. Initially, I would, but let's talk about that, the lap, right, the victory lap. I love that kind of stuff, right? I like when that becomes a topic of discussion because it's like John Gruden basically was like, we were happy that we won, and we're going to do what we want to do. That's that's a great answer because that's it's true. It's like why why did they get rid of – touchdown celebrations a couple of years ago 
Why are they taking the personality out of the game, right? So you got a team that's playing the best ball they played in years, the Raiders, right? John Gruden is absolutely up there, right, with my guy, right, Sean Payton as coach of the year. John Gruden's right up there in the top five, doing a tremendous job. The guys are loose, and they're having fun. So if you want to, if you beat the champions, and you put the hammer down on them, and you want to celebrate, that's human nature. Go out there and celebrate. So I want to say hats off to the Raiders, and I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them because it's only 40% on them to cover the spread. Although, let's be honest, if they beat them two in a row, I'm going to be shocked. So I, I can't do that. I can't go crazy. I can only say they're going to cover the spread for the second time in a row. And I guess what? I'll give them credit. I'll push it close. I'll push it very close to a win. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win by four. So the Raiders are going to cover the spread by four points. Pretty easy cover for Las Vegas. Okay, so this one's indoors. I've never seen a game in Las Vegas before. I think I, I, I might have, but I don't remember it at all because I didn't realize that it was the first game in Las Vegas or something. So this one is indoors, though, right? It's at a dome, right? Uh, as far as I know, yeah, from the games okay. I've seen there. <laughs> you thought I was setting you up for some trick question there. No. <laughs> I'm not really. I'm asking the question because if so, uh, to me, that, that just means Kansas City is really going to be a little bit faster than Las Vegas. Uh, Kansas City had a bye week last week too. So they're coming off that bye. I could see them wanting a little bit of revenge, not because of the lap around the thing. Look, that, the, the lap around the thing, that takes everybody back to their high school days. And that's fun. You know, it's just fun stuff right there. It takes everybody back to when they loved football and they first started playing football and they sung their 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 team or their their uh, t- uh, their school's fight song in the opponent's stadium. You know, it's that kind of thing. So I think that this is one of those times when Kansas City isn't taking that personally necessarily but they're going to have some fun with it. And that's going to allow Kansas City to play loose. And if you play that Kansas City play loose, I think they can run all over this team, uh, pass all over this team, probably more so than run all over this team. So I will take Kansas City to cover that spread. And that 57 points, I actually would like to take the under on that and go Mm -hmm. opposite of what the public is doing. Mm-hmm. Because I could see Kansas City's defense with that week off really having an opportunity to uh, exploit the weaknesses of the Raiders, but I can't do that because the Raiders have just played so well and they are just they're they're playing every game like they're in it, and uh, I just can't so I can't take that. But I will be on opposite of you this one. I'm gonna take Kansas City Chiefs on this. Right, I am gonna take the under, and it's very much like the Thursday game, right? The Thursday game. My UPS guy, shout out to my guy Dom, came into the office and he always right away asked me for my picks. So uh, he says, he comes in, he goes, what do you think? You like the over? And of course, everybody was thinking that right away when they heard Arizona and Seattle, right? And I said, no shot, hard under. This game is the same thing. You got 57 and the only book that had a line that moved was FanDuel going from 57 to 56 and a half going downward. And this is the key point. Both teams know what's going on in the other locker room, right? The Chiefs are obviously, again, like you said, they don't care about the victory lap, but they do care that they lost to them. Mm-hmm. So the Chiefs are in there going, we got to prove a point. Not only is this our division, this is our league. We're the class of the league. So that's what they're saying. And they're going to come out and play hard. They're going to play in the trenches. And the Raiders are not stupid. You think they're sitting over there with John Gruden saying, we're going to play the same way we did last time. We're going to win. No way. They got to play double as hard to beat the Chiefs now in this game. So with both teams going up a notch, it's going to be in the trenches. First of all, both teams know they can run the ball. Jacobs knows he can run the ball against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are going back to CEH. They pretty much phase Le'Veon Bell out really quick because he stinks yeah. and he's washed up. So they also know they can run the ball. So if you take the trenches and the running, it's going to be an under game. 
Okay, I could see that. And you've talked me into the under, honestly, because I was leaning that way to start with. Right. And then I just talked myself out of it because I was like, ah, you know, this is so. But I, I, I will lean that under as well. So I'll take that under. And I'm glad you talked about uh, uh, Devontae Booker. And it yep. wasn't I didn't have Devontae Booker as a star. I had Devin Booker as a star in that backfield. And it is, <laughs> he is to, he is totally just a handcuff. Realize that he is totally a, just a handcuff. But he may be the most important handcuff in the league right now with how much the Las Vegas Raiders do run it and don't really share the ball after that. And he just he's caught the ball. He's run the ball and he's looked really good. And, John, I got one more guy for you who's going to be in that uh, a Devontae Booker class for me. Auden Tate. Right now, I think Auden Tame for the Cincinnati Bengals is one of those guys you want to keep your eye on. And if you have that place to stash, if you've made it through your bye weeks and you're kind of debating on whether or not to drop somebody and pick somebody else up, to me, Auden Tate will be one of those league winners at the end of the season who who really can put up some good numbers from a, in a Cincinnati Bengal offense. And I don't think A.J. Green's going to finish out the year in Cincinnati playing his hardest. OK, that's just what I don't think. Auden Tate, I was impressed by him last year. He had a really devastating injury. As a matter of fact, I think I had him in a lineup uh, with 14 teams because it was getting really thin and really deep later in the year. I think I had him in my lineup when he went down because I was impressed by him. I thought he was good. Um, you know, more the issue with them is do they have too many guys that they got to throw the ball to is really the issue. No issue as to his ability. I think for a number four receiver in the NFL, he's got to be one of the better ones. So I agree with you that, you know, he has a lot of ability for sure. Yeah, and he has that potential. Like I said, if if uh, Green doesn't doesn't uh, finish the year there in Cincinnati, he could move up to that third wide receiver. And I think right now they're the first team in history to have three wide receivers with either a hundred targets or a hundred catches. I can't remember what Coop said, but uh, it, it was one of those two. So that's that's an oh, offense that can handle it. Not a hundred catches. There's no way three okay. receivers <laughs> on the Bengals could have a hundred catches this point in the season. I mean, I, I mean, on pace. On. On sometimes pace. I wonder, sometimes on, I wonder how hard you hit that mattress on pace, man, on pace to have a hundred reception, hundred targets throughout the, I don't know. Right, I guess, right, hey, right. Next game, next game. Quit, quit distracting me. Miami okay. versus Denver. This game hasn't moved hardly at all. I don't think really, it seems like not a lot of games have moved, moved. Like we've seen those drastic line changes, and this one's just the same. Miami with Tua Tagovailoa, who has not thrown an interception this this year yet, heads to Denver. And right now we don't know who that starting quarterback is going to be, but Miami on the road with a rookie quarterback is favored by three points, John, with a point total of sitting at just 46 points. What in the world are you going to do with this game? Well, I got to tell you, I'm shocked that it's not higher. To be honest, I know it's a road game. It's rare that you're going to get a rookie as a favorite on the road. But the way that Miami's been playing and the way that they're buying in across the board with Brian Flores and Tua continuing to show that, you know, that first game he was just getting his feet wet against Aaron Donald and a tough defense, and now he's really starting to settle in. Um, uh, Denver, I mean, what are you going to do here? It's undecided at quarterback. If it is Drew Locke, he's playing hurt. He's going to be awful. They're not going to score a point. They're get, they'll get shut out if they play an injured Drew Locke. And then if you play Rippon, who played against the Jets, he actually had five picks in that game. On the books, he had three. And then he had one where the ball was literally ripped out of a defender's hands where they had it in their full possession. And another one where the ball bounced around and was juggled around. So if they play Rippon against this defense or an injured lock, they're, they're stuck either way. There's nothing they can do. So I'm shocked. I thought for sure. The line, okay. The line, maybe you can only make it three-point favorites because it's a road game and it's a rookie. I understand that. But the betting percentages, I thought it would be 75% on Miami. It's only 59%. So it looks like a steal for me. It, it might be too obvious of a pick, but I can't not take Miami when it's only 59% on them. And I know their defense is going to cause havoc in this game. 
Do you see that too with the under? 68% on the under right now, and that game total is sitting at 46% or 46 points. Right, right, which is because the same thing. They're thinking maybe Denver won't score a point. Okay. It's possible. It's possible yeah. they could. They might only score seven or zero. No, and Miami really doesn't light up the world. You know, a lot of those opportunities that they have are from created by the defense, and, and two is not moving the ball up and down the field as much as he's being able to score from inside the 50 because the defense just does such a great job. And right now the special team's is doing a great job for Miami. Uh, I wish he would find. I wish he had one of those great wide receivers like we talked about. I'm not sure that Parker is that guy or the answer for them, and he's just not clicking with Jaseki like we had hoped. Yeah, I mean, it's coming on a little bit better, at least, for Tua and Gasicki than it was with Fitzpatrick. I will say that, right, because okay. Gasicki did get loose for a touchdown. So, and, and we know that. We've seen that before with rookie quarterbacks, that sometimes they'll make some conservative throws, which involves the tight end more on certain routes. But overall, it seems like they like to spread the ball around, right? It's always different running backs, different wide receivers, this and that. Guys getting hurt, Preston Williams is done for the year. Right now you have Salvan Ahmed in the backfield uh, running the ball. It's a different guy every week for them. So, yeah, I, it seems like they're not willing to commit to one guy. That's really what the issue is. It's not They won't center the attack on somebody. They like to keep you on your toes. So that's part of the problem. But, yeah, I do, at least with Tua, it's, it's going to be some more conservative throws, and there was a touchdown, a nice easy one for Gasicki. Maybe he'll be the type of guy who's not getting six catches. Maybe he's only getting three catches, but maybe he gets into the end zone at least every other week, maybe something like that. You realize that they're going to move to seven and three. Remember, remember all the fussing, and I was the I was the worst at it of mm-hmm. uh, benching Fitzpatrick, and now Miami's on a winning streak, and they're about to be seven and three. It really looks in hindsight, especially after that first game, whenever they played against the Rams, even that uh, it 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 inspired the rest of the team. You know, to be able to play a little bit harder, to not lean on Fitzpatrick as much. Now we have to all step up our game in order to carry this rookie, who I'm sure everybody loved, too. is really got a nice guy, a great right. guy. And, and, and so it just seems like it was a coaching move where he had some strategy behind it that the rest of us on the outside couldn't see. And it's like you and I talk about all the time. These people inside these locker rooms, these football brains that, that have just studied football their entire life, man, they're a lot smarter at football than even the smartest of us. Yeah, exactly. That's a, I, I listen. That's why I always say analyst, right? That's my word. We we are yeah. analyzing football and fantasy football. We are not experts. That's my that's just my opinion, right? I, I see a lot of guys touting themselves this and that, expert, blah blah. blah. Experts are guys that are, that are in there studying film 7 days a week. You want to you want to be an expert? Go sit down with Sean McVay. I watched a documentary a little, some bits and pieces on McVay. He'll get up at three something in the morning and he's watching tape from four in the morning till the end of the day during the off season. He goes into the office with nobody there. It's pitch black. They don't even put the lights on for him. And he's studying stuff in the dark. Like that's you, you think you're an expert. That's what an expert is. You know what I mean? That we're, we're not experts. We're analyzing. Yes. We know a lot. We've, we're experienced. We see the different angles. Fine. We're analyzing the game, but we're not experts. New York Jets. Travel to the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, John, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not meaning to giggle. This is just a weird game for me because I know the New York Jets don't mm-hmm. quit. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they got some fight in them. To they me, do. they're playing. They're, to me, they're playing for contract uh, salaries. They're playing for contracts next year. They're playing for uh, the the bonuses that are built into their contracts this year, right? But come fourth quarter, 
they know that they better not win the game because one of those stipulations in their contract is that they have to go Owen forever so that they can get those number one draft picks, right? That's why Flacco just starts chucking it up 50 yards and saying, go for it, go for it, whoever wants it best. The Chargers are favored at home by 10 points. This point total is sitting at 46 and a half. The line hasn't moved all week long. Vegas think they hit it on the head. Did they? No, I mean, look, we say it all the time. Some things happen for the first time in life, and you never think you're going to see it, and then it just happens. This is a Jets lock. First time. First time ever. I, I, I can't believe the day has come because the Chargers, I, I, I'm in shock. I'm, I look at it going, this is a Jets lock. I mean, what, what is that? I don't even know what language that is. I, I, I was looking online. like You can't even put the word Jets and lock in a sentence unless it's like, Drew Locke is going to throw touchdowns against the Jets. Like okay. it's it, my mind is boggled because it's only 57% on the Jets and the line actually did drop on a couple of the books by half a point going down, right? That 10 is going down to nine and a half. Mm-hmm. And the key more than anything else is no matter what the chargers do, all their games come down to the last two minutes, every yeah. single game. And, and look how the Jets played against new England. New England is, is probably a better, obviously a better coached and probably a little bit more well-oiled than the Chargers having the rookie and also having some holes and a lot of defensive injuries. If you add the whole soup together here, I can't see any way the Chargers could run away with the game. The only way they could possibly cover is if they broke a deep play late and they were already up seven. That's the only way they can cover. They're not going to beat the Jets by four touchdowns. It's not going to happen. They haven't been able to do that against anybody, and the Jets have most of their guys back in the receiving attack like we talked about. So I can't envision a way that the Jets don't cover. And of course, the Jets still want to lose. So let's see if it's 10 points in the spread and the Jets still want to lose. I got to take the Chargers to win it by three. Okay, I, I took the uh, Jets as well, and that was simply because they don't have that quit in them. They have fought all season long, and it's it's really interesting to watch a team like that who hasn't won a game, but yet they still put up a fight each and every week. What do you think about this point total for an NFL game, 46 and a half? is sitting right there on the cusp of, eh, it could go either way. And I think that that's the way that Vegas wants us to bet it. I think I'm going to go over because, I, I like I said, I'm, I'm going to lean on those receivers. I think that it is still not enough on tape for you to be ready for the fact that the Jets have a nice little trio there, right? So if you're if you're the Chargers and you only have one game to watch, which was against New England, and it was a Thursday game, kind of an odd game the way that it went, uh, and you're watching everything off that. I don't think you're going to be prepared on the field for the fact that Perryman likes to go downfield. So you got a guy who stretches the field there. Then you got one of the elite slot guys in the league, the only, like one of the only elite type players on the Jets, which is Crowder. He's one of the best in the slot. And then you got Mims, who's a combination of the two. Mims will go for the downfield play, but he'll also be a possession receiver. I don't think watching one game tape, you're going to be ready for that. So I think the Jets will surprise them and score enough to get to that over. And I think obviously, Look, the Jets have a lot of defensive players resting, quote-unquote, with injuries. So the Chargers are going to get their points. So both teams are going to get their points, so it's going to be an over. Yeah, in order for the Jets to win, I think this game will have to go over. And not not to win, but to cover the spread, this game will have to go over. So I might as well take both of those as well. All right, Tampa Bay is at home. They are favored by four points against the Los Angeles Rams. This one, J.B. Barry, at Fantasy Coach J.B., our buddy, would have said, hey, 
This is this is not a Tom Brady wheelhouse game because his bedtime is usually usually around the same time that this game starts. So, <laughs> and, and sometimes it seems like Tom Brady plays that way on uh, primetime games. Uh, who are you taking at this game, Tom? Because we know the Los Angeles Rams have got that offense we want to think of being explosive. They got a real strong defense, and and to me that defense. Whenever Tom Brady faces that really tough one in my head, who's been concussed many times, it does not play as well. Yeah, no, you're you're 100 right. I agree. I agree with you and JB. Right? If JB would say it's past his bedtime, I I mean I think there's some truth to that. The guy's in his mid 40s, right? And it's it's late. They've probably been working, studying film before the game, and they come out and they throw the ball around and they work out before the game. And uh, there was that one against uh, New Orleans where a lot of people said. Brady looked sleepy like he wasn't in it. It was later. I mean, who knows? I mean, you you don't know how he really feels on a late game when normally he could be playing at one o'clock in nice weather. Now maybe he's playing in a you know a little bit chillier and it's nighttime and it's dark. You know, you don't know how he feels. So that that has some weight to it. And a hundred percent, if you want to beat Tom Brady, you got to put pressure up the middle defensively, right? Yes, sir. You got to push that line back, and you're going to do that with Aaron Donald. So I think this is a no-brainer. I mean, I I think the Rams are going to win this game straight up, even though they're a four-point underdog. Um, and I also want to say on my own personal list, I've now elevated the Rams to the second best defense in the NFL, where I had them really maybe around number five for most of the year, the way they've been playing. And like you said, they don't have an explosive offense. It's more of a mix and match, whatever we can do this week to figure it out type of offense. They've been winning these games off the defense with both elite guys, with Donald and Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey shut down DK Metcalf, who's been one of the best players in the league. So with all that being said, I think that the Rams are going to win this straight up, and I want to take my hat off and say they are the second-best defense in the NFL. Not only that, John, they're doing it with defense, but they're also doing it, I think, running the ball Mm -hmm. uh, in very strategic ways. Yeah. To get that clock off, and we've talked about this before, where their passing game is just an extension of their run game. They want to keep that clock moving. They want to keep these scores lower. And I think in our brains, or I want to say the general public's brains anyway, uh, maybe maybe mine is more like that than anything else. We think of the Rams being this explosive offense because a couple of years ago they had been. But right. now it's really turned into a keep the clock moving, keep the clock going. And that's going to set up for lower scoring games where they're in it every single time and they're just trusting that they're going to be able to win it on defense at the end of the game. And I think I will agree with you about the Los Angeles Rams being able to win this game straight up, I suppose, as well, because I don't like it whenever Tom Brady gets pressure on him, and that's exactly what the the Rams are going to be able to do. Well, go through the list, right? Go through the list of the teams that have beat Tom Brady when it matters and when it counts. Obviously, the team that beat him twice was the Giants, right? They had Justin Tuck. They had uh, the guy that's on Tampa Bay now. I'm, I'm tired at the end of the show here. JPP, uh, <laughs> yeah, JPP. Yes, they were getting pressure left and right with those guys. Then you had the Ravens when they had Suggs and Ray Lewis putting a lot of pressure on them. They beat him one year. The only time the Jets ever beat him in the playoffs, they had Wilkerson and Richardson, and they were running those guys over on the defensive and offensive line. They were just dominating the game. So the list and Denver the year that they beat them. They had Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware. So just keep going through the list. It's the same story every single time. Look at New Orleans when they beat them earlier this year. That mm-hmm. guy on the outside, Hendrickson, right? The, the guy that came out of nowhere. He had like three, four sacks in that game. He was everywhere. Same thing. So that, that's the story. That's really been the way to take them down or take Tom down in general. 
uh, both times when they lost against New Orleans twice. And let's not forget that they lost against Chicago when Mack was making that offensive line look just completely silly. And now you got Aaron Donald going in there. Come on, man. Same thing. Same same thing we've seen before. So anyway, we take that. I don't like to look at the uh, the over and under. I just if I don't know. I, I think that that looks about right. If anything, I would take the under because if it's going to be the Ram style of game, they're going to have to not score. And they're going to have to keep Tampa Bay from not scoring. So if anything, I would lead the under on that one. Yeah, before we go, for the week before we wrap it up, I just want to say on the Rams, another thing is Sean McVay, he adjusts very quickly to the way the league is going too, right? It's not just about your team. It's not just about your film. It's not just about your playbook. You got to look around and say, what are the top guys who are really watching every single play doing to adjust their offense? So look around. He's going to look at his peers, right? He's going to look at the guys that are like his age, these young, they, they keep putting, like we always say, they put these handsome coaches out there. They groom their hair like they're going for freaking runway, like a model, right? It's ridiculous what they do with these guys. He looks around and he says, wait a minute, Matt LaFleur is winning 80% of the games in his career. They stick to the run, even though they got Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. right? They stick to it. Wait a minute. The 49ers made a great run last year when they had a healthy team. They stick to the run. That's Kyle Shanahan. So he looked at his team and said, we got to stop trying to be cute. Stop trying to throw this ball downfield because everybody's hip to that game. Let's get back there on the ground where Henderson has been really good. They're keeping him fresh with the three backs. And Malcolm Brown, one of the most underrated players in the league this year because he doesn't get a lot of touches. But when he does, he makes things happen. Uh, And then, of course, you have Akers on the back burner as the guy who's going to come up eventually. So, yeah, that's what he did. He looked around the league and said, what are other guys doing now as they adjust? Tennessee, Mike Vrabel, young coach running the ball, running the ball. So that's what's happening there. And it also limits the opportunities for Jared Goff to make some mistakes. Red winners, I take them first every week. I'll let you take them first unless you want me to go ahead first. And, and, you know, you could say ladies first if you'd like. No, no, no. I'll be nice to you. No, I I think we pretty much have a sense of where mine are. Uh, I'm going to take the over in Green Bay and Indianapolis because I do think Green Bay is going to cover. Even there, even though they're at 61% of the public on them. So if they're going to cover, that's going to be an over. So that's one of those picks for me. I'm going to take Minnesota out of spite because Dallas is not playing Gilbert. So I'm taking Minnesota to cover the spread. That's definitely two. And then I, I feel like you got to take one of the crossovers, right? So with one of the crossovers, I'm taking New England, who went from being a three-point underdog to being a two-point favorite. So it's going to be New England with the spread, over in Green Bay, and in Indianapolis, and then I'm going to take Minnesota with the spread. Okay, so I will let the Vegas people laugh at me and giggle at me all you want because they always make money off of me, right, each and every week, even though I don't place best, I guess. But but if people listen to the show, maybe they will. I agree with you on the breadwinner of the New England Patriots at two and a half points. I think that they can cover that spread pretty easily. I will also take Atlanta. Atlanta being able to cover those four points this week. Uh, Actually, they get four points, don't they, against New Orleans. I will take Atlanta in that game. I will also take the over in the Pittsburgh game at 46 points. I think that that game will go over. It won't be as, it'll be a little bit tighter contested and then Pittsburgh will pull away at the end and it'll have to go over. I will also take the under in that Baltimore and Tennessee game as a breadwinner, John. I just, I I can't see how either team is going to score a lot of points in that game. You you ready? We didn't really talk too much about the over-under in that game. I think that's a good call. I probably, if I had to pick that game for the over-under, I'd probably go with you on that one. Yeah, the under, the under looks pretty juicy in there. And then I got three more. I got three. I got three more. You got seven breadwinners. You're gonna have to hire another driver for the truck. I got. I think that these are good. I think you're gonna agree with me. I okay. think the Jets keep it within yeah. ten. That's yeah. a breadwinner. I yep. think that that game goes over the forty-six and a half points. 
And I think the Rams are a breadwinner against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers completely and, and obviously on that game. So that's, that's my three breadwinners. No, no disagreements from me there. We had very few games we disagreed. We're going to have to find a week where we just go against each other each game. Everybody pick, like, pick a side week. Maybe we'll do that. Pick a side week where, oh, I, I like that idea. Let's, we're doing this on the air, coming up with ideas on the air. Let's do it where we say, okay, you get to draft your pick this game, and then we switch the next one. So like if we do a week, let's say two weeks from now, after Thanksgiving, if the first game was Philadelphia and Cleveland and you had a strong inclination, you would get to draft your pick and I get stuck with the other team. And then we go to the next game and then we see who wins the week after. Oh, that that is, that does sound interesting. We could we could change it up like that. And speaking of changing things up, uh, all the John Frisella Show listeners here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, uh, be prepared for change because there are some things that have to change during the holidays. So we got to work our schedules out. Everybody here at the Fit Network has to work their schedules out about when we will be recording next week. There's games on Thursday night now. There's games on Saturdays going to be coming up pretty soon, probably. I'd imagine Sunday games as well. Uh, holidays will be mixed in right then. So we will keep you tuned in. We will make Make sure that you know when they are by on Twitter. And you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow John at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. Don't forget to head over to John Frisella blog as well and be able to find his latest articles there on AaronTorres.com. Did I say that right, John? Aaron Torres online, but that's, oh, that's Aaron Torres. They'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Okay, all right. <laughs> Aaron Torres online. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. You can follow me as well on Twitter at Loafinit. And listen, look at the pinned tweets at both of those sites, at FI Today and at Loafinit on Twitter. And you will see a pinned tweet from at Mugs Fly Together. At Mugs Fly Together, we are proud. Uh, they are helping us sponsor this. You can find a code. Fit today, you can just type that in there underneath that pinned tweet for a 10% discount on all their mugs. And you can also see the contest uh, rules and regulations. I don't know if there's a lot of rules there, but what you have to do to enter the contest to get a free mug, we're going to send it to you along with some Tasty Cakes as appreciation for being our listeners and for letting people know about the John Frisella show there on Twitter or however you do it. You can head over to Anchor FM. You can find the links over there. However you like to listen to podcasts, you can find that podcast listening platform on Anchor FM. FM, and then you could subscribe to the show there. You can even tweet it out to somebody else, or you can share it through a text message or however you do it nowadays. You, I, you can write it down and put a stamp on it and send it to somebody and say, hey, listen to the John Frisella show. When was the last time you wrote a letter like that, John? Wrote a letter, man. I, I, you know what? At the office, when I, when I started, maybe whatever, 11, 12, 30, I don't remember how long ago it was. We used to actually use the mail once in a while. Now everything's by email. You know, it's, it, there's a movie called Her which is based in the future in California where technology gets really advanced. And to your point, a job that you can have is writing personal letters for people because they don't have the skills to do it anymore because everything's done electronically. So to answer your question is not very often. We're not writing letters very often these days. My daughter, because of the quarantine and all, and she's 13 years old, uh, still gets letters in the mail. Her and her friends write each other a little bit and all that stuff. Just kind of broke up the chaos a little bit. But make sure you head over to Mugs Fly Together. Look at that pinned tweet and and find a way to enter that contest. Tell us also which mug you like and what your favorite NFL team is so we can work on some Fantasy Impact Today mugs along with the football teams. And that would be really cool. Type in Fit Fit 10 for a 10% discount. And we're working on having more sponsors, John, as well. So if any of our listeners are out there looking to get interested, uh, looking to get into this field of, of sponsorship, we are all listening. You can just find us over there on Twitter. But more importantly than all those things, John, the one thing we always want to encourage people to do is to go out and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. <laughs>